Well, good morning, everyone, and welcome to our daily reading conference call on A Course in Miracles, Original Edition. We read from the text of A Course in Miracles, Original Edition, which is published by our dear friends at the Course in Miracles Society. You can access an online copy of the original edition by going to jcim.net where if you mouse over the link at top for original edition, you will see the link to read ACIMOE. On that same drop-down menu at jcim.net, there is a link to subscribe to an excellent daily email, which contains both a workbook lesson and a text reading for the day. My name is Lemoyne Castle, and this call happens for and with you every weekday morning, Monday through Friday, from about 9.15 to about 11 a.m. Eastern Time. Today we're continuing our reading in Chapter 3, Retraining the Mind, with Section 7, The Loss of Certainty. And at the top of the hour, we'll pause for remembrance of our lesson of the day. Today being Lesson 33, there is another way of looking at the world. All right, now we'll we'll be led by Fran this morning. Let's go in this order. Lori, I hear you have an opening on share. Oh, thanks, Lemoyne. Yeah, this is a thought from Moji uh, that I think speaks to today's lesson really well. It is not wise to compare your life to that of others, for each life stream is unique and is the expression of pure spirit and being. Know within your heart that your life is tailor-made for awakening in response to the will of the Supreme Being. Even if great hardship comes your way, don't complain, judge, or fall into self-pity. Don't waste energy like this. Rather, use these same difficulties and circumstances to sharpen your powers of discernment and intensify your drive for liberation and freedom from all psychological conditioning. You are here as life itself, flowing toward its divine source. Regard your life as auspicious. There is another way of looking at the world. Amen. Amen. Thank Thank you. you. It's great. That was beautiful. Thank you. Thank you, Lori. Okay, um, I have on our on our list of participants today. I have with us in reading. I have Lori, Fran, Robin, Marie, uh, Karen, and Donna. And with us in listening, I have Ida and Harrison. Is there anyone else who would like to say good morning? Or join the reading. Good morning. Patricia here listening. Good morning. Thank you. Morning, Patricia. 
Welcome. Anyone else? This is Diana, and I'm listening too. And I just wanted to say, Fran, you got off the phone before. Um, I just wanted to say welcome back, and I'm so, so, so happy to hear your voice and that you're taking over. It feels like, feels like things are right, <laughs> and I appreciate you. So thank you. Oh, thank you so much. Thank you. All right. And anyone else that I've missed on my list here? Okay. Trying to do the awkward pause. <laughs> okay. I'll get it started then with the reading. Here in Chapter 3, Retraining the Mind. The Loss of Certainty, Section 7, from paragraph 51, we read, we said before that the abilities which man possesses are only shadows of his real strength, and that the intrusion of the ability to perceive, which is inherently judgmental, was introduced only after the separation. No one has been sure of anything since. You will also remember, however, that I made it clear that the resurrection was the means for the return to knowledge, which was accomplished by the union of my will with the Father. We can now make a distinction which will greatly facilitate clarity in our subsequent statement. Laurie. Uh, Section 7, The Loss of Certainty, Uh, paragraph 51, we said before that the abilities which man possesses are only shadows of his real strengths, and that the intrusion of the ability to perceive, which is inherently judgmental, was introduced only after the separation. No one has been sure of anything since. You will also remember, however, that I made it clear that the resurrection was the means for the return to knowledge, which was accomplished by the union of my will with the Father's. We can now make a distinction which will greatly facilitate clarity in our subsequent statements. 52. Since the separation, the words, quote, create and, quote, make, have been greatly confused. When you make something, you make it out of a sense of lack or need. Anything that is made for a specific purpose and has anything that is made is made for a specific purpose and has no true generalizability. When you make something to fill a perceived lack, which is obviously why you don't make anything, you are tacitly implying that you believe in separation. Knowing, as we have frequently observed, does not lead to doing at all. Thank you, Lori. And Fran? 
52. Since the separation, the words, quote, create and, quote, make have been greatly confused. When you make something, you make it out of a sense of lack or need. Anything that is made is made for a specific purpose and has no generalizability. When you make something to fill a perceived lack, which is obviously why you would make, want to make anything, you are tacitly implying that you believe in separation. Knowing, as we have frequently observed, does not lead to doing at all. 53. The confusion between your own creation and what you create is so profound that it has been literally impossible for you to know anything. Knowledge is always stable, and it is quite evident that human beings are not. Nevertheless, they are perfectly stable as God created them. In this sense, when their behavior is unstable, they are disagreeing with God's idea of the creation. Man can do this if he chooses, but he would hardly want to do it if he were in his right mind. The problem that bothers you most is the fundamental question which man continually asks of himself, but which cannot properly be directed to himself at all. He keeps asking himself what he is. This implies that the answer is not only one which he knows, but is also one which is up to him to supply. Thank you, Brent and Robin Murray. 53. The confusion between your own creation and what you create is so profound that it has become literally impossible for you to know anything. Knowledge is always stable, and it is quite evident that human beings are not. Nevertheless, they are perfectly stable as God created them. In this sense, when their behavior is unstable, they are disagreeing with God's idea of the creation. Man can do this if he chooses, but he would hardly want to do it if he were in his right mind. The problem that bothers you most is the fundamental question which man continually asks of himself, but which cannot properly be directed to himself at all. He keeps asking himself what he is. This implies that the answer is not only one which he knows, but it's also one which is up to him to supply. 54. Man cannot perceive himself correctly. He has no image. The word, quote, image, unquote, is always perception-related and not a product of knowing. Images are symbolic and stand for something else. The current emphasis on, quote, changing your image, unquote, merely recognizes the power of perception. But it also implies that there is nothing to know. Knowing is not open to interpretation. It is possible to, quote, interpret, unquote, meaning, but this is always open to error because it refers to the perception of meaning. Such wholly needless complexities are the result of man's attempt to regard himself as both separated and unseparated, 
at the same time. It is impossible to undertake a confusion as fundamental as this without engaging in further confusion. Thank you, Robin and Marie. And Karen? 54. Man cannot perceive himself correctly. He has no image. The word, quote-unquote, image is always perception-related and not a product of knowing. Images are symbolic and stand for something else. The current emphasis on, quote, changing your image, unquote, merely recognizes the power of perception, but it also implies that there is nothing to know. Knowing is not open to interpretation. It is possible to, quote unquote, interpret meaning, but this is always open to error because it refers to the perception of meaning. Such wholly needless complexities are the result of man's attempt to regard himself as both separated and unseparated at the same time. It is impossible to undertake a confusion as fundamental as this without engaging in further confusion. 55. Methodologically, man's mind has been very creative, but as always occurs when method and content are separated, it has not been utilized for anything but an attempt to escape a fundamental and entirely inescapable impasse. This kind of thinking cannot result in a creative outcome, although it has resulted in considerable ingenuity. It is noteworthy, however, that this ingenuity has almost totally divorced him from knowledge. Knowledge does not require ingenuity. When we say, quote, the truth shall set you free, unquote, we mean that all this kind of thinking is a waste of time. Of the need to engage in it, if you are willing to let it go. Thank you, Karen. And Donna. 55. Methodologically, man's mind has been very creative, but, as always occurs, when method and content are separated, it has not been utilized for anything but an attempt to escape a fundamental, entirely inescapable impasse. This kind of thinking cannot result in a creative outcome, although it has resulted in considerable ingenuity. It is noteworthy, however, that this ingenuity has almost totally divorced him from knowledge. Knowledge does not require ingenuity. When you say, quote, the truth shall set you free, end quote, we mean that all this kind of thinking is a waste of time, but that you are free of the need to engage in it if 
you are willing to let it go. 56. Prayer is a way of asking for something. Prayer is the medium of miracles. But the only meaningful prayer is for forgiveness because those who have been forgiven have everything. Once forgiveness has been accepted, prayer in the usual sense becomes utterly meaningless. Essentially, a prayer for forgiveness is nothing more than a request that you may be able to recognize something you already have. In electing to perceive instead of to know, man placed himself in a position where he could resemble his father only by miraculously perceiving. He has lost the knowledge that he himself is a miracle. Miraculous creation was his, quote, capital F source and also his real function. And thank you, Donna. <clears throat> and is there a new reader for 56 and 57? Hi, Lemoyne. I can do it. Okay, Judy. Yes, right. thank you. 56. Prayer is a way of asking for something. Prayer is a medium of miracles, but the only meaningful prayer is for forgiveness because those who have been forgiven have everything. Once forgiveness has been accepted, prayer in the usual sense becomes utterly meaningless. Essentially, a prayer for forgiveness is nothing more than a request that we may be able to recognize something we already have. In electing to perceive instead of to know, man placed himself in a position where he could resemble his father only by miraculous perceiving. He has lost the knowledge that he himself is a miracle. Miraculous creation was his source and also his real function. 57. God created man in God's own image and likeness. It is correct in meaning, but the words are open to considerable misinterpretation. This is avoided, however, if the, quote, image, unquote, is understood to mean, quote, thought. Unquote. And quote, likeness, unquote, is taken as quality, or excuse me, as quote, of a like quality. Unquote. God did create the soul in his own thought and of a quality like to his own. There is nothing else. Perception, on the other hand, is imbo- impossible without a belief in, quote, more and, quote, less. Perception at the very level, 
excuse me, perception at every level involves selectivity and is incapable of organization without it. In all types of perception, there is a continual process of accepting and rejecting or organizing and reorganizing, of shifting and changing focus. Evaluation is an essential part of perception because judgments must be made for selection. Thank you. Uh, thank you, Judy. And is there another new reader for 57 and 58? This is Jessica. I can do it. All right, great. Okay, 50, yeah, thank you. Uh, 57. God created man is in his own image and likeness, unquote, is correct in meaning but the words are open to considerable misinterpretation. This is avoided, however, if, quote, image is understood to mean, quote, thought and, quote, likeness is taken as, um, is, <laughs> sorry, is taken as, quote, of a like quality. God did create the soul in his own thought and of a quality to his, like to his own. There is nothing else. Perception, on the other hand, is impossible without a belief in, quote, more and, quote, less. Perception at every level involves selectivity and is incapable of organization without it. In all types of perception, there is a continual process of accepting and rejecting or organizing and reorganizing, of shifting and changing focus. Evaluation is an essential part of perception because judgments must be made for selection. 58. What happens to perception if there are no judgments? And there is nothing but perfect equality. Perception becomes impossible. Truth can only be known. All of it is equally true. And knowing any part of it is to know all of it. Only perception involves partial awareness. Knowledge transcends all the laws which govern perception. Because partial knowledge is impossible. It is all one and has no separate parts. You who are really one with it need to know yourself and your knowledge is complete. To know God's miracle is to know him. Thank you. Thank you, Jessica. And is there another new reader for 58 and 59? Another new reader? I'll do it. 
Okay. What happens? What happens to perception if there are no judgments and there is nothing but perfect equality? Perception becomes impossible. Truth can only be known. All of it is equally true, and knowing any part of it is to know all of it. Only perception involves partial awareness. Knowledge transcends all the laws. Oops. Which govern perception because partial knowledge is impossible. It is all one and has no separate parts. You who are really one with it need but know yourself, and your knowledge is complete. To know God's miracle is to know him. 59. Forgiveness is the healing of the perception of separation. Hmm. Let's read that again. Forgiveness is the healing of the perception of separation. Correct perception of each other is necessary because minds have willed to see themselves as separate. Each soul knows God completely. That is the miraculous power of the soul. The fact that each one has this power completely is a fact that is entirely alien to human thinking, in which if anyone has everything, there is nothing left. God's miracles are as total as his thoughts, capital T, because they are his, capital H, thoughts, capital T. Thank you, Harrison. And uh, is there another new reader for 59 and 60? Okay, back to you, Lori. Forgiveness is the healing of the perception of separation. Correct perception of each other is necessary because minds have willed to see themselves as separate. Each soul knows God completely. That is the miraculous power of the soul. The fact that each one has this power completely is a fact that is entirely alien to human thinking, in which if anyone has everything, there's nothing left. 
God's miracles are as total as his thoughts because they are his thoughts. 60. As long as perception lasts, prayer has a place. Since perception rests on lack, those who perceive have not totally accepted the atonement and given themselves over to truth. Perception is a separated state, and the perceiver does need healing. Communion, not prayer, is the natural state of those who know God and his miracles are inseparable. How beautiful indeed are the thoughts of God who live in his light. Your worth is beyond perception because it is beyond doubt. Do not perceive yourself in different lights. Know yourself in the one light where the miracle that is you is perfectly clear. Mm. Amen. Thank you, Lori and Fran. 60. As long as perception lasts, prayer has a place. Since perception rests on luck, those who perceive have not totally accepted the atonement and given themselves over to truth. Perception is a separated state, and a perceiver does need healing. Communion, not prayer, is the natural state of those who know. God and his miracles are inseparable. How beautiful, indeed, are the thoughts of God who live in his light. Your worth is beyond perception because it is beyond doubt. Do not perceive yourself in different lights. Know yourself in the one light where the miracle that is you is perfectly clear. Well, thank you, Brian. And uh, for emphasis, and, and a good summary as well. Um, Robin Marie, would you like to read 60 one more time? Sure, I'd love to. 60. As long as perception lasts, prayer has a place. Since perception rests on lack, those who perceive have not totally accepted the atonement and given themselves over to truth. Perception is a separated state, and a perceiver does need healing. Communion, not prayer, is the natural state of those who know God and his miracles are inseparable. How beautiful indeed are the thoughts of God who live in his light. Your worth is beyond perception because it is beyond doubt. Do not perceive yourself in different lights. Know yourself in the one light where the miracle that is you is perfectly clear. Uh, thank you, Robin Marie. And That is a good summary, but I will uh, I'll walk down through this section, get back there, um, section, the loss of certainty, and 
starts by saying, we said before the abilities which man possesses are only shadows of his real strength and that the intrusion of the ability to perceive, which is inherently judgmental, was introduced only after the separation. And no one has been sure of anything But he's also made it clear that the resurrection was the means for the return to knowledge which was accomplished by the union of Jesus' will with the fathers. We can now make a distinction which will greatly facilitate clarity. And this is... Excuse me. Sorry, I, I didn't recognize it. <laughs> okay. All right. Um, since the, the separation, the words create and make have been greatly confused. When you make something, you make it out of a sense of lack or need. And when you make something to fill a perceived lack, which is obviously why you would want to make anything, you are tacitly implying to believe in separation. Knowing, as we have observed, does not lead to doing at all. <clears throat> the confusion between our own creation and what we create is so profound it has become literally impossible for us to know anything. <clears throat> Knowledge is always stable, and it is quite evident that human beings are not. Nevertheless, we are perfectly stable as God created us. So, here we go. The, the problem that bothers us the most is the fundamental question which we continually ask of ourselves but which cannot be properly be directed to ourselves at all. We keep asking ourselves what we are. This implies the answer is not only one which we know but is also one which is up to us to supply. <clears throat> we cannot Man cannot perceive himself correctly. He has no image. Knowing is not open to interpretation. It is possible to, quote, interpret meaning, but this is always open to error because it refers to the perception. And the this complexity arises from our attempt to regard ourselves both separated and unseparated at the same time. It's impossible to undertake a confusion as fundamental as this without engaging in further confusion. In the face of this impasse, we've been very creative, but uh, it was only been trying to escape this fundamental and entirely inescapable impact. 
And when we say the truth shall set you free, we mean that all this kind of thinking is a waste of time. But that you are free of the need to engage in it if you are willing to let it go. Prayer is a way of asking for something. Prayer is the medium of miracles, but the only meaningful prayer is for forgiveness because those who have been forgiven have everything. Essentially, a prayer for forgiveness is nothing more than a request that we may be able to recognize something we already have. We have lost the the knowledge that we ourselves are a miracle. The miraculous creation was our source and also our real function. What happens to perceptions that there are no judgments and nothing but perfect equality? Perception becomes impossible. Truth can only be known. All of it is equally true, and knowing any part of it is to know all of it. Only perception involves partial awareness. Knowledge transcends all the laws which govern perception because Partial knowledge is impossible. It is one and has no separate part. You, who are really one with it, need but know yourself, and your knowledge is complete. To know God's miracle is to know Him. Forgiveness is the healing of the perception of separation. Correct perception of each other is necessary because minds have willed to see themselves as separate. Each soul knows God completely. That is the miraculous power of the soul. The fact that each one has this power completely is a fact that is entirely alien to human thinking. God's miracles are as total as his thoughts because they are his. As long as perception lasts, prayer has a place. Yet communion, not prayer, is the natural state of those who know. God and his miracles are inseparable. How beautiful indeed are the thoughts of God who live in his light. Your worth is beyond perception because it is beyond doubt. Do not perceive yourself in different lights. Know yourself in the one light where the miracle that is you is perfectly clear. All right, and we are... We are past the top of the hour, so Fran, if I may, I can return to you for 
focus on our lesson today, there is another way of looking at the world. Yes, thank you. Hi, everybody. We are in the first part of the workbook, the very beginning, and we are on lesson 33. There is another way of looking at the world. I shall read some from the lesson. Today's idea is an attempt to recognize that you can shift your perception of the world in both its outer and inner aspects. A full five minutes should be devoted to the morning and evening application. In these practice periods, the idea should be repeated as often as you find profitable, though unhurried applications are essential. Alternate between surveying your outer and inner perceptions, but without an abrupt sense of shifting. Try to remain equally uninvolved in both and to maintain this detachment as you repeat the idea throughout the day. The shorter exercise periods should be as frequent as possible. Specific application of today's idea should also be made immediately when any situation arises which tempts you to become disturbed. For these applications say, there is another way of looking at this. Remember, to apply today's idea the instant you are aware of distress. It may be necessary to take a minute or so to sit quietly and repeat the idea to yourself several times. Closing your eyes will probably help in this form of application. And we'll take a moment and reflect on this. Lesson 33, there is another way of looking at the world. Today's idea is an attempt to recognize that you can shift your perception of the world in both its outer and inner aspects. A full five minutes should be devoted to the morning and evening application. Lesson 33, there is another way of looking at the world. Amen. Amen. Thank Amen. you, Amen. Thank you, Fran. Thank you, Fran. Thank you, Fran. Thank you, Fran.
Thank you, guys. This is television. Whenever I do this lesson, I always ask myself, do I really believe that there is another way of looking at the world? Do I really believe that I can shift my perception of the world in both its outer and inner aspects? Do I really believe that there is another way of looking at this? I have this glimmer that if and when I truly believe this, then my whole experience of the world would be different in both its outer and inner aspects. There, I have another way of looking at the world. I have that at my disposal. I'm complete. Thank you, Harrison. Yeah, thank you, Harrison. I love that. Thank you. Yes, thank you, Harrison. Good morning, guys. It's Jude. I um, I so love this. It's I I'm I'm beyond belief when it comes to this. I know, I absolutely know, and it's inherent in the text today that um, you know, that I, the willingness that I have to see that mistakes in perception through through the eyes of judgment are the cause of the loss of my peace. So in practicing these lessons, you know, every time I'm disturbed, I'm like, think, you know, let go of what you think, you know, just you're wrong again. Or you would, if you really understood and you really knew um you would be at peace because peace and understanding of a situation with a situation come together. And if I don't understand something and I'm judging it and I'm in opposition to it, I don't have peace. I'm fighting it. I'm wanting it to be different. So, the, um, you know, there's always a different way of looking. There's always more ways, myriads of ways of perceiving something you know, walking in someone else's shoes is the most obvious um, saying that we have for that. Um, you know, getting outside of the, the bondage of my own thinking is what freedom I have in, in practicing this exercise today, that I can be free of the thinking that disturbs my own peace. Amen. I am complete. <laughs> oh. Thank you, Judy. Thank you, Judy. 
This is Donna. The reading Laurie did this morning, Moji, Moji. The way I got that was everything is for the single purpose of awakening to reality. And I was really thrilled. I paragraph uh, 57 and 59 because it just says everything to me. And uh, this is how, this is what it said to me. I completely know God. His thought is my thought. I am the same complete substance, same quality. And so, quote, I am that I am, end quote, incomplete. Beautiful, Donna. Thank you. Yeah, thanks, Donna. One quick little thing. When I first did this lesson this morning, uh, there is another way um, to see the world, to perceive the world. Uh, way, that word way, I am the way, the truth, and the light came immediately to mind for me. There is another way, the only way, one way. <laughs> That's all, folks. Thanks, Judy. Thanks, Judy. It also suggests that it's variable, uh, a way of looking um, is variable in the sense that uh, I can change the way I look at the world. I'm complete. Thanks, Harrison. Thanks, Harrison. I agree with Judy and Harrison. Um, and sometimes I feel in despair about that. Like, oh, yeah, I'll find another way of looking at the world in a million years. But no, it can be now. It can be now. I can pray for um, guidance, for, for help, for help for other people, for forgiveness. And um, prayer is a medium of miracles, as it says here. And, and ask for a holy instant. In the holy instant, I can definitely see another way of looking at the world. Thanks. Thanks, Ida. Thank you, Ida. Thank you.
this is Lemoyne, and uh, uh, it sounds like I might have just interrupted somebody, but I'm going to carry on. This uh, section is titled The Loss of Certainty, and and I think in this, um, you know, it, it makes the point that perception arose after the separation. And if uh, the purpose of uh, the separation was to create uh, a frame, a light frame, <laughs> for, for uh, the creation of uh, the holy instant and holy relationship, then the problem is not the separation, but our perception. That that this is that it's foundational that we're separate, therefore must on some way be alone. And in this way, you know, we take the, our loss of certainty of what the what creation is for, its cause, uh, and it and its end, the means and end lost the end, and we see only the mean, the separation. Perceiving that, we lose our certainty. But we then take that and then try to found certainty on top of it and reverse the thing and say, well, when it's certain, I will suffer loss. And this is something I, that is in the text about and uh, I know it's landed, it, it keeps trying to land very deeply for me, that, that, the, uh, that the thing of trying to found our certainty, trying to found, find, or found, either way, uh, our certainty on uncertainty is, is, this is essentially the fundamental error that locks us into this impact, this threat, and instead to just stop with it. Okay, we lost our certainty, and then the the goal has to the initial step towards the goal of everything being in this perfect equality where everyone has everything <clears throat> and then the world is just there here to share to uh, for us to share that in um, that 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 can be restored as as the foundation of certainty as long as we can get past our perception that the loss of certainty implies the certainty of loss and found the false certainty on top of <clears throat> our misperception of what the world is for. Anyway. So, as I said, <laughs> in the middle of all that, you know, what is needed is healing. And uh, the goal is not a particular 
healing in a particular place, but a re-entry into the, the communion that is expressed in the course of love. Creation is the dialogue, and all we have better. And I'm Did you say you were complete, Lemoyne? Kind of trailed off there. I did. Sorry if okay. I dropped the Thank microphone you. before I say that last sentence or whatever. <clears throat> yeah. Thank you. Boy, this is a very powerful part of the text. Um, inherent in um, um, paragraph 54 where it says, we cannot perceive ourselves correctly because we have no image. And um, perception is is of symbols and of 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 words and thoughts, ideas, concepts um, that we think and then we project through the creative power of our mind. And, and, joining, and joining with our experience of the world, what I've come to recognize is that I'm one with my experiencing anything and everything. So, you know, the way the Course tells us God when he created us, it's spirit and it's mind. In service of the spirit, we will know ourselves. We will know the truth of ourselves, that the certainty is of God, the surety. The only thing I can be sure of is when I say it, and anybody can say it, I am. I am. I know I am. I am a being. <laughs> I may not know what I am, but... The Course has helped me to know the truth of who I am in relationship, in holy relationship um, to others as myself, to everything as myself, in that equality that the, um, the text speaks of today, everything being equal and the same. What is one does not have different parts, 
or parts that are different from it in the same likeness and quality, being thought in mind, everything being a thought in the mind of God, and that in seeing or touching or tasting, perceiving anything in experience, everything in anything and anybody is sharing itself with everything else in that actual experience of it. But it, it, it was a new way of, of opening my mind to the actual experience of life, that life in its totality was its own whole and one experience of itself. There's nothing that you can take out of it and nothing that needs to be added to it. In, in its totality, its reality of itself. You know, the, um, things appear and they disappear. But um, the life and love and the interbeingness of it is one and whole and complete within itself. So um, in doing the lesson today, I had an interesting experience looking at my body and saying, there's another way to look at this. Always, always, always interested in that. And uh, <laughs> since it's an image and it's not me, I can't perceive myself. How do I know what this this is for? So looking at it, um, what was the experience that I had? Oh, just that it's it's really... It's not separate in its of itself that it it's it's um, a part of the total experience of everything that I can see or imagine all around me. I'm not separate from the air. I'm not you know like when you think about the sensation of the wind on your cheek, and it's not the wind and it's not my cheek. It's the wind face. It's one experience together joined not separate or distinct. They can't, it can't be experienced as two because it, it, it isn't two things alone by themselves. <laughs> so I don't know if that's um, explaining something that I'm, I'm experiencing, that, that the experience of life, there's no separation in the actual experiencing, you know, like the taste of an orange. I'm one with that orange when I'm tasting it or feeling something, I'm, I'm not separate from the softness of my blanket and my hand. It's not two distinct and separate things. They come together, and there's no in-between. So the actual sense, sensations and perceptions, seeing something, I'm, what I see, I think of it as an eye, but I, and I think of it as a tree, but those are just concepts, ideas that are superimposed on the totality of the oneness of the experience. I'm seeing. I am seeing. I'm not the tree, and I'm not me. I'm the seeing, the knowing of it. I'm the knowing awareness of I am interrelated with everything. So I don't know if that makes any sense to anybody. I'm, I'm just trying to put it out there in a new way of expressing my experience of being one with everything and everybody. When I hear you, I, I have you within me. You are a part of me. You are absolutely not separate, no distinction or no in-between whatsoever. 
So I'll be still now and let you be a part of me. Thank you. Oh, thank you so much. That was very rich. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Judy. Thank you, Judy. I found paragraph 55 interesting where it talks about the methodologically man's minds, very creative and full of ingenuity, but somehow the smarter we get, the more stupid we act, you know, the invention of of bombs and weapons, and it's like, really, where where is all that ingenuity going? And uh, um, I love the, the, the line, but... It's an attempt to escape a fundamental and entirely inescapable impasse. We're at this impasse now, and I think this is where the break, the great break in the old materialistic paradigm, hierarchical, judgmental point of of using and abusing each other in the world is going to break. It's just going to break in the acceleration of the celestial speed-up's going to happen. <laughs> Boy, don't I love phrases like that rolling out of my mouth. <laughs> Amen, I'm complete. <laughs> Thanks, Judy. Oh, good morning, everyone. This is Lori. Now, I'm so happy to be with you again this morning. And yesterday, um, I found myself listening to listening to an audiobook. I don't often have time to do that, I, I guess. But yesterday, I saw myself having a lot of time. <clears throat> so I was listening to this audiobook. 
uh, by Tara Brock describing her internal process of, she calls it rain. And, and she said some things that I thought were really interesting and helpful in light of what we're reading here. She said, uh, she started out with uh, the definition of a human or a homo sapien. She said a homo sapien is different from all the rest of creation because it is capable of thinking about thought. Capable of thinking about thought. And um, in light of that simple little statement, today's lesson makes sense. There is another way of looking at the world. To the ego, she described the ego as a suit uh, that one puts on over top of one's essential nature. And, and to the ego, there's this profound sense of lack that um, a sense of distance from the truth. And because of that sense of lack, um, one makes this suit to be the face um, that I present to the world. And after a while, I get um, disorganized and, and misidentified to the point where I lose track of my essential nature or the truth of me and become misidentified with this suit I put on. The only reason I put on this suit was because I felt a sense of lack or we might say a sense of distance between my mind and the truth. As being, I'm capable of thinking about thought and in that thinking about thought, I had a mistaken thought mistaken thought that I'm separate from the truth and I must make I must make a me that will keep me safe and this suit that I make to keep me safe becomes my bodily identity and it's the notion that I needed to make something to keep me safe that is the cause of all my trouble that's the forgetting forgetting of the essential nature of the soul remember he said the soul has and is everything if I remember that I have and am everything there is no sense of danger or lack that sense of lack is my trouble then that causes this sense of danger because I'm capable of thinking about thinking um, he gives me another way to look at this. He said, if you're capable of thinking about thinking, then what if you recognize that it's your thoughts about the world that make the world what it is? You think that you're an effect of the world, this suit that you put on to protect yourself. You think that that's what you are. You made that. You made that. Because you forgot that your being, your soul, has and is everything, is a thought, a capital T thought, of like quality to your Creator. Isn't that something? That's how he can 
launch into that beautiful, beautiful paragraph 58. What happens to perceptions if there are no judgments and there is nothing but perfect equality? What if, what if I didn't need this suit that I made? I would recognize that I have no need to make a judgment about what anything is because I know what I am. When I know what I am, I know I'm safe. I have no need to make a different me. The me that I am, created of like thought to my creator, is perfect and has everything. Then he makes that great contrast. Perception is impossible because truth can only be known. This perception um, that I've made of myself, that I've misidentified myself with, is a mistake. It's just a mistaken identity. I, I, I made a mistake. And I would like to have that corrected. Well, here's the correction. You don't need that suit. You have and you are everything. This is knowledge. The knowledge of the soul that's perfect exactly as God created it in need of nothing except to share that same sense of bounty, that same sense of abundance, that great joyous response of life um, as given by the Creator. You know, when I know that and I and I perceive or know myself as that, I have no need to put on a suit. And that's what he means when he says, you who are really one with knowledge of like quality thought in the mind of God, need but know yourself and your knowledge is complete. To know God's miracle of like thought and like quality is to know him. And to know is such, um, I mean, I don't have to, the guesswork is gone. I don't have to wonder about what anything means anymore because everything's perfect because I'm perfect and if I have everything that means everything everyone all creation belongs to me it was given to me as a gift from my father as a gift from source I think that's what he means when he says united my will with the father this need for an ego suit is just gone. And that was accomplished, he said, in the resurrection, the proof that there is no death. It's only out of a sense of lack, um, a sense of forgetting that I had to make this ego suit or thought I needed to make this ego suit. Without it, without it um, I have no need to fear and without fear, um, all that's left is love, you know? Does that mean I remember that all the time? No. <laughs> no, it doesn't. It means that forms the background, the uh, frame of reference against which I can set anything and understand the truth again. If I have a sense of distance, 
a sense of lack, a sense of loneliness. I need only go to my frame of reference, the knowledge that all is one forever, to correct my mind. And that's what he means by forgiveness. You know, God never did. What we're talking about here in, in paragraph 58 is accepting the atonement, the healing of my mind. When my mind is healed, I no longer perceive myself. I can know myself. And if I know myself, then I know creation. Back in the Manual for Teachers, there's the question, how are healing and atonement related? Healing and atonement, he says, are identical. When my mind is healed, that sense of lack that put me in a position where I had to judge what the truth is, is resolved. I no longer need to judge. He says in that first paragraph, 51, the ego introduced this so-called ability to perceive as an intrusion, as an intrusion. That's an intrusion on the truth. And because I am capable of thinking about thinking, I can make a different choice. To the ego, um, everything is a sense of buffeting it about and um, raising the need to defend and protect out of a sense of lack. When that sense of lack is gone, there's no need to defend. There's no need to judge. In fact, it points out in that first paragraph that the ego suit was an intrusion. I introduce that between the knowledge of what I am and what God is. And when I take off that suit, <laughs> that suit of armor that I thought I needed to protect and defend myself from the world, I realize that if I change my mind about the world, everything in perception changes. Mind is cause and the world is effect. And when I'm restored to knowledge of the truth, the world will reflect that same awareness. The intrusion, the intrusion of that ego suit was my only problem. And without it, there is no separation between my mind and the truth, my mind and the world. All these lessons here in this series of five that begin with, I am not a victim of the world I see. I've invented the world. There is another way of looking. Are all designed for me to realize that cause and effect are one. And when I accept divine cause, then the effect will be just as divine. My mind is part of God's, I am very holy, is the restoration of my mind's integrity to the truth and the disillusion of the need for an ego suit to keep me safe. Mind is cause, world is effect. When I align my mind with truth, the first cause, the only cause, the world will reflect that same forgiveness back at me, he says. 
Anyway, um, another one of those hinge points on which this whole course revolves. The ego is nothing more than my mind's sense of distance from the truth. Truth will set me free because it restores the awareness that I am as God created me and everything that seemed to happen as a consequence of my ego suit is resolved when I take it off. <laughs> I'm complete. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. This is Donna Lori. <laughs> when you get these inspired notions, you lay out a wealth, a wealth of simple and perfect um, understanding. Things come to mind when you read one place, was there some place in our book recently? Or at least I read it recently where Jesus says that God is the only cause and the sun is his effect, is the effect and that that uh, God and the Son and the Holy Spirit are in one and one and there is only one I mean it's written so much more beautifully in the text but that's what when you spoke you were saying to me and um, cause and effect, you mentioned that, and yesterday I had a realization about cause and effect. And I have, um, I walked with something close to understanding that we're literally in God's play. He has literally written every word. He has literally set up every scene to un continue and to, to unfold fold this this uh, magnificent play for the one purpose, which is simply to wake to wake us up to know who we are. But I had a human experience with cause and effect. I I I lived a very selfless life as a human being, but it was not my plan. I just realized 70 years later, my God, I was selfless. That's what that was, selflessness, after me thinking I was everything but that. So I was trying to, I was in the light with the light. So I was with someone who's full of light. And I started to tell her about, I said, well, you know, it's so funny that my siblings, they don't, they don't, they don't know they don't understand anything. The first 10 years of my working life, that you know, I was starting to explain this to her, I, they were the cause of me living what I lived because I took them all into my dwelling and so they could, you know, be rocket off of my, my dock there, my own Cape Canaveral, so to speak. And as... And then 
as I was speaking that out, it was like, oh, wait a minute. Nothing is the cause of anything here. And nothing, the effect that I'm having has nothing to do. The effect of what we, we become here cannot be reconciled with the causes that we look out in our past and even our present to, and claim those as the meaning and the reason why we are what we are, where we are. And uh, the realization of understanding that, oh, I'm trying to write another story here. I'm trying to make myself the hero again. And I'm trying to look out and see my siblings have no appreciation to know and know that, that why, what a hero I am. And there was years I would not have been able to face that. I would not have been able to have looked at that because I would have been ashamed of having those kind of thoughts and I would have been uh, or angry that, yeah, right, here I am, where are they? Uh, and I realized everything. And I, I claim I'm a tumbleweed, just empty, being blown around the world, quote, unquote, blown around the dream by, in, in the play by God for God's purpose. And I said, you know, if anything happens an instant before God's planned it to happen, it wouldn't work. Therefore, everything Every single thing happens exactly as God planted. Whether it's good or it's bad, it, it doesn't matter. It's a part of the waking up. That's the purpose of our being here. The purpose of us thinking we're something somewhere else when there is nothing else. Uh, the purpose of everything we experience. And everything comes up for its healing when we can accept the healing. My light has her own light that she walks with going through something. And she says, you know, I just learned that you just have to let it, let it out there, let it be. And she expressed gratitude. Well, my, thank God my children are, are, are not home now. So, you know, this will be, in essence, easier on everyone at the human level. So it's just so magnificent that these are the things that come to mind. When you find this, this light and come and share it with me, I thank you, Lori. I thank Almighty God that one or two people can bring so many people together for light. I am complete. That was beautiful, Donna. Thank you.
Oh, thank you, Donna. Well, I... I'm having second thoughts, but I, I was... <laughs> I was led to uh, offer... Offer this from a course of love and in, in closing, toward closing the recorded portion of the call. And this is uh, the beginning of chapter six in the course of love. There, uh, which is the chapter titled originally titled forgiveness, and second edition retitled forgiveness. Slash joining. So, I I think it speaks to the role of forgiveness in restoring certainty, um, restoring knowledge. So, here we go. Joining rests on forgiveness. This you have heard before without understanding what it is you would forgive. You must forgive reality for being what it is. Reality, the truly real, is relationship. You must forgive God for creating a world in which you cannot be alone. You must forgive God for creating a shared reality before you can understand it is the only one you would want to have. You have to forgive this reality for being different than you have always imagined it to be. You have to forgive yourself for not being able to make it on your own because you have realized the impossibility of doing so. You have to forgive yourself for being what you are, a being who exists only in relationship. You have to forgive all others for being as you are. They too cannot be separate, no matter how hard they try. Forgive them, forgive yourself, forgive God. Then you will be ready to begin learning just how different it really is to live in the reality of relationship. Your brothers and sisters do not exist apart from you, nor you from them. This is reality. Your mind is not contained within your body, but is one with God and shared equally with all alike. This is reality. The heart that is the center of your being is the center of everything that exists. This is reality. None of these things make you less than what you have perceived yourself to be, but they do make it impossible for you to be separate. You can desire what is impossible until the end of your days, but you cannot make it possible. Why not forgive the world for being other than what you have thought it to be and begin to learn what it really is? This is what the world is here for. And when you have learned what it would teach you, you will have need of it no more, and you will gently let it go and find heaven 
in this place. Mm, that was perfect, Lemoyne. Thank you, thank you. The world is false perception. What is this that's being perceived falsely? (laughs) I think that's happening. Anyway. Yeah. You bet. Great close. Thank you for that. I will uh, press the button, end the recording. We continue with the after call for another hour now.